Welcome to the Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series in the hospitality tabletop industry. This podcast was originally published on the week of May 18th and runs for approximately 30 minutes. Now here's your host, Dave Turner. Well, welcome back, everyone. This is Dave Turner, and I want to welcome you back to Seat Yourself. I'm your host here at Seat Yourself, and of course, Seat Yourself is our weekly podcast covering the world of hospitality. This week's On the Front Line segment will be slightly different due to a last-minute schedule change, causing one of our scheduled guests to have to cancel at the last minute. But hey, these things happen. No worries, though. During these COVID-19 times, I think we've all had to learn to adjust to last-minute changes and curveballs being thrown at us. So I thought what we'd do for this episode is I'd cover some of what we've learned over the past nine weeks since we started the On the Front Line series. Now, for sure, each week has been a bit different, and in each week, we learned a lot. So I'm very grateful to those who have taken the time to come on with us. So before we start, I want to say a big thank you to each of our guests that we've had. They've all been terrific, and I appreciate them coming on here and sharing their thoughts and comments. And with that, let's jump right into this week's episode. Now, as you know, it was approximately nine weeks ago that we reformatted the Seat Yourself podcast. At that point, we had to pivot, just like you all did. And we were saying at that point, what can we bring to you, our listeners, that will be relevant and of the most help to you? So we started off on the On the Frontline series, where we've been trying to give you that Frontline's vibe of what's happening and what people are doing at exactly that point, not only just here in the U.S., but all around the world. And when we started, we started with a manufacturer's rep, Bunny Johnson in Washington, D.C. And the reason to start with Bunny is that I've known her for a long time, and she's really honest in all her opinions. And most importantly, she's a pro's pro in our industry. And as we progress through the eight weeks, we've adjusted and changed as we've gone along. Each week has been a little bit different, and our vibe has changed based upon what we were hearing and what we are feeling from each of the conversations. And the reason for that is because the way people are right now, today, in late May, is a long, long way from where we were even three or four weeks ago, in our opinion. And you may feel that too. When you take a look at operators, and especially, I think, consumers, I think everybody's ready to get opened up and move forward. But we still all have a lot of questions, obviously. And it was probably about five or six weeks ago that we really started to feel the needle move, going from almost a state of mourning to, okay, what are we going to do as we come out of this? How do we figure this out? What are we going to do? We know we're going to get out of this, but how do we begin to look down the road to the future? And as an industry, it seemed we, we had turned from looking backwards to looking towards the future. And you can almost feel that in the conversations that we're having on our weekly podcast. And that's not just here in the U.S., but also in Europe and Canada. The, and the feeling wherever and whoever we were talking to was the same optimism, tempered with a great dose of reality going forward from there. And I thought our conversation with Josh Blitzstein, that sales rep from Northern California, was where we captured that sentiment particularly well. And remember, the original reason to start these On the Frontline series was to get the feel, number one, from the people that are really in it, like yourselves, our listeners, right on the front lines of our industry. But we also wanted to let you know, our listeners, again, that we weren't alone that the situation that we're facing in our individual markets 
Everybody's facing something very similar, whether you're in Copenhagen or you're in Chicago. You have all the same basic issues going on, certainly with nuanced differences, but we all have the same basic core issues. And those issues are our industry has gone dormant, and how is that going to affect us? And how will we come out of this? And what will the world look like on the other side? And then in these conversations, something happened. After the first couple of weeks, you could feel a change. You could feel that people were starting to develop their game plan, their own individual game plans for suppliers, supply chain players, operators. We all began to look forward to developing solutions for what we think may lay ahead. And then, oh, three or four and a half, three or four weeks ago, we started turning even more corners with the idea of our industry actually beginning to open back up. Although few people had specifics about their markets yet, everything was continuing to change and change still very quickly, but it was beginning to open up. And now, with the current situation being that everybody's beginning to open up in some way, shape, or form. And the issue, of course, is that it's different in New York than it is in Chicago, and that it's different in Seattle than it is in Dallas. But the same thing is true for countries in Europe, Middle East, and frankly, all over the world. And now, the real focus seems to be, especially in the last couple of weeks, has been to what specifically do we have to do to open back up, to reemerge, and to breathe life back into our industry? Now, if you've been fortunate enough to be able to continue your business, even in a downsized or pared-down kind of way, you're in better shape and ahead of the reopening game. But for those businesses that have had to shut down completely, or nearly so, waking up a completely dormant company is much more difficult. Just consider one, just one important aspect. The retraining process for all the new safety protocols. That one ever-evolving issue is enough to make your head hurt if you're an operator. And then, how do we make sure that the guests that we're trying to attract to come back to our restaurants, how do we make them feel safe? Safety needs to be the first priority and a compliance with the local regulations, whatever they may be, is really, really important. And then there's also this. We had Michael Butler from Hyatt. He's responsible for Hyatt's F&B in Europe and India. We had Michael on our podcast. Michael wrote a story on his LinkedIn feed called Don't Forget Hospitality. And we brought Michael on to talk about this story. And the reason I bring all that up is because one of the things we're feeling is, well, where we're at right now is everybody's scrambling to open up, to be compliant with the local laws and regulations, thinking safety, safety, safety. And certainly that's the right thing to do. But make no mistake, safety is great. But more and more, we're starting to feel that people also want to know that it's okay to have fun and it's okay to make money and it's okay to create a vibrant and happy vibe in your restaurant. Famed food critic and writer John Mariani published an article last week, and in it, he's talking not only about will restaurants survive, but he believes they'll thrive just as they have in the past. And Mariani stated, this has all happened before, and it's true. But when you're in the middle of the storm, often it doesn't seem like you're going to survive, but you do. And I agree with Mariani that the restaurant business is the most resilient business imaginable, and also the most creative business that possibly could be. And through the years, Mariani stated that the restaurant business has survived a lot of issues, and he knows it'll survive this one. One example Mariani cited is Hurricane Katrina. 
There were something like 980 restaurants in New Orleans before Katrina hit, according to Mariani. And now, at least before COVID-19, there were 1,300 plus restaurants in the Crescent City, according to his story. Now, I'll give you that the restaurants might not all be the same restaurants, but that food and beverage experience is going to definitely come back. And in my way of thinking, the reason why food and beverage is so critical to all of us, not just for sustenance or the fact that for many of us, it's how we make our livelihood and just part of our everyday DNA. Food and beverage is so very critical because human beings are hardwired for connection and that's never really going to change. The simple fact is we all want to be connected and there's no better way to be connected than through food and beverage. For most of us, the greatest time in all our lives is when we're sitting around a table eating and drinking with family and friends and people we love. And that still remains true. So I'm incredibly optimistic overall about our industry. But probably like all of you, I was pretty uneasy a few weeks ago. But as we've come through these past eight or nine weeks, the vibe, the mood, everywhere, all the conversations we've been having both in this country and outside this country are all very, very upbeat and very positive. So yes, I'm pretty excited actually right now about the go forward. I understand that we'll all be reopening up to a new normal, as they say, at least for a while anyway. But I also agree with writer Mariani that we quickly will forget the past and get back to enjoying connecting with those we care most about over food and beverage, in restaurants, in bars, and in coffee shops. And so, I do believe we'll get back close to the way we've always known the hospitality business to be. And yes, I do also believe that there's going to be some changes. And of course, all this will take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. And there will be an order to that, quote-unquote, road of return as well. And at the moment, operators have an awful lot of stuff to consider when approaching their reopening. And because I know we have a lot of supply chain and manufacturers listening out there, how do we as salespeople and marketers, how do we all relate to that? Well, my guess would be is that if you're selling back-of-the-house equipment or Jansan product, you're probably in the best place to be right now. Jansan for obvious reasons. And as an equipment company, you'll be in quick demand for cleaning, repair, and refurbishment of those back-of-the-house machines. After all, these restaurants have been shut down mostly for six or eight weeks. And I think that a probable top priority if I was a chef would be to make sure that all my back-of-the-house equipment was working well and functioning the way it's supposed to, keeping me in compliance with any and all regulations for health and for safety. And secondly, if you go have to go through a complete sanitation reevaluation, and this is definitely going to be new, there's definitely going to be new sanitation standards as well, both initially and more adjustments as we go forward. And next up for operators is to have revised and reduced seating plans that are, once again, compliant with local regulations and state laws. And just here in the U.S., we have 50 different states, all with different regulations and local ordinances for operators to comply with. There's some similarities, obviously, but people need to be compliant of all the various laws and rules. And keep in mind, we can expect these laws and rules to be evolving and changing very, very quickly and often. And staying on top of these is not and will not be easy. And then, operators need to have new safety protocols, along with the initial and ongoing training needed for employees that are being brought back, so that you will finally have guests coming back to the dine-in situation and feeling comfortable. You must make sure that your guests feel safe from the minute they walk through the door. 
And the initial optics, well, with respect to safety, they'll be critical. And the same is going to be true for employees. When they come back to work, they have to know that they're going to stay safe so that they can take great care of our guests and feel comfortable when they're doing it. You can bet if the employee doesn't feel safe, then you can be sure the guests won't either. And of course, the same is true of vendors coming in and delivery people and so on. Operators need to make sure that everyone feels safe when coming into their food service facility. All of this, and there really is no guideline to much of this, all of this is a roadmap that's being drawn and redrawn daily, almost on a daily basis, folks. This is one area where I think independent operators have an advantage over the chains. Independents can be agile and they can adapt to changing situations very, very quickly versus large corporations in chains that may have large bureaucracies that need to be involved in the decision-making process. But make no mistake, all companies, whether you're an operator, a supply chain company, or a manufacturer, we all need to be nimble and we need to exhibit a great deal of agility to be successful as we return to what everyone is calling the quote-unquote new normal of our industry. And I think just generally speaking, that people are going to return to dine-in restaurants where they feel safe and where they trust the operators to look out for their safety. And we'll get back to the trust thing just a little later, but one really important issue for all of us is the near-term issue of reduced seating that most operators will have to simply open up with again. This will put tremendous pressure on already thin profit margins, and frankly, there's no way sit-down restaurants can survive with 25 to 50% of their original seats. It just won't work that way for very long. So off-premise dining, takeaway or carryout, that needs to be a big part of any operator's forward-thinking plan right now. So I would strongly suggest to suppliers to think of how the products that you have in your portfolio, how those products may help increase both the revenue stream and the profit stream that an operator might be able to generate through off-premise dining or carryout. We did an entire special edition episode last week on Cocktails to Go. I invite everyone to go and check that out as there's some very creative ideas put forward from our guest we had on then, Xander Lorenzen Hansen. Xander is head of the Danish Bartender Association. But the overall point is, for operators, near-term revenue is going to be tight. So they need to have all the creative ideas they can use to drive alternative revenues until guest confidence in sit-down dining grows and until operators can get back to their original seating plans. And of course, for restaurants who've had some success at carry-out and takeaway while being otherwise closed, they're ahead of the curve in this one critical aspect. But I mentioned trust a minute ago. If I trusted you, deepened my connection with you, with your restaurant brand, perhaps through my takeaway experience through the last eight or nine weeks, I think I'll be a lot more likely to trust coming inside to enjoy my sit-down experience with you as well. But keep in mind, consumers have had time also to get more comfortable with takeaway. So the pressure will be on the operators to make sure the dining experience is fresh and interesting when consumers do decide to come inside once again. So suppliers... It's up to you to make sure you have ideas for your operators to create that more fresh and more interesting dining-in experience. We're going to take a break right now, and when we return, I want to get into some specifics on different product categories, and I want to share with you what I believe suppliers need to focus on as we continue to reemerge from the COVID-19 pandemic. This episode of See Yourself is sponsored in part by the Edward Donovan Company. Everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And if you're not yet signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, 
now would be a great time to do so. Go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. It's quick and easy to sign up and a great way to stay on top of all the important goings on in the world of hospitality tabletop. That's tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. Welcome back to Seat Yourself. This is Dave Turner, and as I said at the outset of today's episode, you've got me flying solo this week as I recap what we've been learning during the past nine weeks since we reformatted to our On the Front Lines miniseries format. So far, in today's first segment, we touched on the reactions in our initial episodes of On the Front Lines, when our entire industry started into its rapid descent back in mid-March. And then we moved on to the emotional corners that we've turned and how we're now all looking forward to the overall industry reopening that's sitting right in front of us. Now I want to get into some of the specific tabletop product categories themselves and the re-emerging timelines I see for each one. I don't think you'll be surprised to hear me say that I think disposables are going to continue to rapidly grow, especially in the near term, until we get farther down the road when dining in gets back to being more a part of our normal food service experience. But even after sit down and dine in comes back fully, I believe disposables will still benefit from a takeaway or an off-premise business that I believe will remain at higher levels than it ever was pre-COVID-19. And with the carryout or takeaway business, I think there's still lots of opportunities in that whole disposables category. Opportunities to personalize the experience and to upsell, as we talked about a little bit earlier, by adding cocktails to go and much, much more. I think, generally speaking, that smart operators will be looking to take more advantage of that carryout and off-premise business. They'll do it by enhancing the overall experience and by seeing its potential as a vehicle for reinforcing its overall restaurant brand rather than simply a convenience for the customer. And when it comes to permanent tabletop, glassware will be the first category to come back, in my opinion, because of its breakage and order velocity. My expectation would be that while there'll be some small orders, it will generally take operators 30 to 60 days or more before suppliers will begin seeing substantial glassware orders. And of course, there'll always be that freshening up of a drinks menu that might change things a bit. But generally, I believe operators will go with glassware they have and make any changes somewhere down the road. And again, keep in mind, most operators are opening up with 25 to 50% of their original seating. And many straight states have restrictions on how close bar seating can be as well. Orders for permanent dinnerware? Well, I think these will come a little later. For dinnerware, I think it's more of an August-September timeline before we see any substantial sized orders. Of course, they'll always be topping off and operators might even be looking for new and interesting individual items to freshen up their tabletops, but that'll be more complementary to existing dinnerware than real actual large volumes. And then we talked about flatware a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and of course there's always going to be exceptions, but we see orders that are larger than fill-in coming more in the September-October timeframe. These timeframes can obviously be influenced by how quickly operators can get back to the 100% of their original seating capacities, but that's going to take a while. And I think supplier companies that have some type of small wares in their product line right now, they're at a distinct advantage over competition, and I'll tell you why. In the conversations I've been having, these small wares types items are probably selling okay right now, and they're going to continue to, particularly if you're doing things like cocktails to go. 
These types of products, I think, are very appropriate to get the conversation going again with operators and help be that tip of the spear going into accounts to rebuild that trust and start that reordering pattern again. That's another reason I like glassware. The ordering cycle is shorter and operators come back to people they've been trusting all along. And what about the go forward? How do I be successful going forward? I believe success going forward, I think this applies to operators, it applies to supply chain players, and it also applies to manufacturers. Success going forward will be similar to what it was in the past. You'll still have to differentiate yourself or your company or your products or even your restaurant. And differentiation has to be a part of your culture. It's not just the products they're selling. It's, it's a longer story than that. Lately, I seem to have many more conversations about culture than I do about products. The reality is, particularly in the tabletop sector, there are a lot of good, no, 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 a lot of great products. Best products I've ever seen in my 30 years in this business. Today, everybody's got good products. So now how do you compete? I believe the answer to that question lies in competing on culture and who you are as a company. And a big part of that culture is trust. I think if I were fighting right now, going out into the tabletop market and trying to recapture business and grow my own tabletop business, I would keep it really simple. I would do just two things, focused on just two. First, I would fight like hell to keep every customer I've got. I don't want to lose a single customer, not a single one. Secondly, I want to add just a few more customers. I want to get a few more to come my way and buy my products. Every time I say that to people, they go, isn't that what we're supposed to do every day? Well, that's true, but now isn't every day. I think customers right now are looking for partnerships with people that can help them to survive. And back to John Mariani's word, thrive. As an operator, I think the goals have to be survive in the short term, thrive in the middle term, and thrive even at a higher level in the longer term. And if I'm an operator, the people that partner with me now are the people that I want to be with me for that long haul. Suppliers need to be figuring out what's the best way for them to help their operators do just that, survive and then thrive. And to do that, suppliers need to find a way to to prove ourselves right away to customers and to develop or redevelop that strong trust and strong connection. Figure out a way to redevelop those very important key relationships. One of the things I said in a commentary recently was as bad as the COVID-19 situation is, it gives us as suppliers a chance to develop relationships at a much deeper level than we ever dreamt possible with our customers because everybody's in this shit all together. Today, food service operators are fighting over big issues, fighting with landlords and leases and rents and all that. They don't want to be hassling about dinnerware or glassware. So they're going to go with people they trust. That's a real issue. They want to partner with a trusting supplier and then move on and for, forget about smaller things and they, as they move on to the bigger issues. So I think that ability to be a source of reliability and stability, those are the things that go right along the side of trust. That's how you develop trust. You're reliable and you're stable. I also think there's a couple of other components that we need in order to be successful on the go forward. And again, I don't care who you are, you need to be both agile and you need to be nimble. A one-size solution will not fit all. 
everybody's going to have different needs. That's why we need to figure out what our customers need, and then we need to give it to them. Listen, we're all going to be fighting for a piece of a much smaller pie. We want to grow our piece of that shrinking pie because there aren't going to be as many restaurants anymore, and the restaurants that remain are going to do a lot less business. And in the beginning, it's going to be a much smaller tabletop business, that's for sure. And we're all going to have to have a lot of competition for even that smaller business. So you're going to have to fight very hard just to keep the customers that we have. If I could tell you that in 2021, you're going to have a year like 2019, then you're going to probably be a pretty happy camper right now. Because 2020, obviously that's that's going to be a year that's when we look back at it, it's going to have been a complete mess. But by keeping it simple, remembering two things. Number one, we don't want to lose any customers. And number two, we want to pick up a few more. We want to keep it simple. Don't make it complicated. By doing those two things, you'll have a great 2021 year, I believe. I also think that underlying all of this, people want to know what a company's purpose is. Does your company have a specific purpose or are you just trying to sell stuff to me? I don't think any of us want to be sold stuff. It's just the philosophy I have because today everybody's selling good stuff and there won't be any bottom to some of the pricing that I know we're all going to be competing against. I'm not naive. I know that price is part of the equation, but I always believe and I still believe that trust comes first. Let price come in third, fourth, or somewhere down the line. For me, trust is first for sure and certainly that I know price is always in there somewhere. And if you can push it down by having a good, strong partnership with your customer, I think that's ultimately what will benefit everyone in this case, especially in these times of crisis. Before we end today, I want to get into mergers and consolidations and downsizing. I think all three of the categories I mentioned before, operators, supply chain people, manufacturers, suppliers, I think there are going to be mergers, consolidations, and certainly downsizing. We've already been seeing it, and we've been seeing it for a while now. And at the moment, companies in our industry with strong balance sheets, well, they're in the best position. And if you're not in a strong balance sheet position, I don't care whether you're an independent operator or a large chain with a thousand units, dealer, distributor, manufacturer, doesn't matter. If you don't have a strong balance sheet, it's going to be awfully tough going forward. And if you don't currently have a strong balance sheet, hopefully you have at least access to increased levels of liquidity. Again, if if you don't have either of those, it's going to be a tough go forward for sure. Remember, we've just gone through our second month now, and we passed May 1st, and I don't care who you are, when you have rents that are due or mortgages on properties or any large payments that will drain your cash, you obviously need to negotiate those immediately. Those are big pieces that are going to change our industry and maybe change it forever. And finally, I want to end with reminding you all that I believe this is the most resilient industry ever. People in food service or hospitality, they don't do this as an occupation because we're all in invested as a whole. Our whole lives are part of this business. Whether you're any of the three levels that I mentioned before, it's because of that all-in commitment that I have no doubt that this business will come roaring back as strong as ever or even stronger. And remember, in times like this, it's often the small things that are done every day that matter most. Little things like going to see your customer, doing something good 
that will help them in their operation as they recover without worrying about whether you make money on it or not. Help your customer make money. Help them get back on their feet and do whatever you need to do to help them. Show them your care because at the end of the day, it isn't going to be about price. I think it's really going to be about who, who you are and what you believe in. Who do I, and the customer, from a customer standpoint, you've got to be asking the question, who do I want to be in the foxhole with me right now? Because I'm in the shit, and while I'm planning to get out of it, I want partners that I don't have to worry about, that they are going to help me get out of this hole. And hopefully, we all can be part of that solution that brings this industry, this great hospitality and food service industry, that brings it back roaring. The food service and hospitality industry around the world is one of the most resilient and creative industries there is. And it's that reason that gives me that optimism. The great creative people that make up this business are unbelievable. The people in our industry, they're the ones who provide me with that optimism to know that we're going to come back strong and vibrant once again. We all need to remind ourselves how lucky we really are that we get to participate in the greatest times in most people's lives, and that's the sharing of food and beverage with family and friends and people we love. And what possibly could be better than that? This is Dave Turner, and thanks for joining me on this episode of Seat Yourself. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com.